Hey, I'm Pastor Dave Ferguson. Welcome to Crosswalk Chattanooga's Weekend Teaching Podcast. We're glad you're with us. Good morning, Crosswalk. It's good to see you all here. Thank you to the whole clan that came. Good job. Glad that you're here. I'm going to have to listen for laughter over that way a little bit. I know. Anyway, you guys, I'm, I'm expecting you guys to hold up your end of the deal, too. Uh, but as we continue the new wine series, I am so glad that you are here. Thank you for braving the winter weather, the snow. I'm just so glad that you are here, and we're warm in this room, at least, um, as we continue on our new wine series. This week, remain, but I do want to just linger for a moment to just celebrate again. Um, because it is just such an awesome thing. I look over and I see all of the family members here for Jack. I see all of his uh, group members, the young people coming in, making sure they're here for Jack and the rest of us here. For, just uh, how awesome. I told Jack, I got, I got new shoes for Jack's baptism. I, don't, I mean, it's just that I got new shoes and it happens to be the weekend of his baptism. But, but now I'm going to always think of them as these are Jack's baptism shoes. Don't know that I can keep that kind of situation up, but let's try. Let's see what happens. And you might not know this. This young lady, London, is getting baptized today also. She's getting baptized with a fellow class member from her school over at the Ultawa Church, but she, when asked, what is your church family, of course said, Crosswalk. Crosswalk. So I thought we should do the following. I think we should go a little nuts crazy, um, and I'm going to take a picture of us all from here. Who knows who's going to be in this, but uh, kind of me. Yeah, a little bit. There you go. A little bit. Yeah, okay. But now you need to, you need to do, I don't know, some of you probably need to stand. You probably need to stand, and on the count of three, I'm going to snap this off, and we're going to send it and just say, ha, we're so glad to be your family. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Boom! And you know, whoop, I don't know, we get, yeah, there we go. Who knows who's going to be in that? But uh, man, could there be any better day than a day when somebody announces out loud through the water baptism exactly where they stand with Jesus Christ? It's such an awesome, wonderful thing. If you don't mind, though, today I'd like to continue this theme by talking about grapes. So we've been talking about wine and wineskins, and new and old, and today we're going to go into a metaphor from Jesus, a passage of scripture, deeply into the whole idea of vines and grapes. And so what you need to understand is, this throws me into the fall in Michigan, where I lived for some time, and at just the right time in Michigan, uh, just on, on where we lived, because right across the road was a, a vineyard. The right time, it just smelled like grape jelly. Oh, <sighs> yeah, it was pretty awesome for a very narrow period of time. Pretty awesome. The smell of the grape jelly air. John 15, verse 1. I am the true grapevine. We don't have a ton of time to dig into the possibility that there is a false grapevine. But we're going to focus on the true. Just keep in mind, it suggests 
that there's something battling for our connection that is false. But I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. We don't often spend a lot of time on that notion. We're going to a little bit today. I'm the true grapevine. My father, he is the gardener, and he, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more fruit. Jump a verse. Remain in me. This is our theme for today, remain. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. That's a pretty obvious thing. Until we get into our spiritual journey, it's easy to forget. This connection to the vine, if it's severed, it's broken, it cannot produce this fruit. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Father is the gardener. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It moved from fruit to more fruit to much fruit. Can't count it kind of fruit so much. Because of a connection to Jesus. And apart from me, you are nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, nothing will actually matter. Apart from me, the loss of that connection, it is an unplugging from life itself. All that you were meant to be, to have, to do, to experience, apart from me. Nothing. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father, the gardener. Grapes. I want to think about this a little bit. Again, we have Jesus, the vine. We've got a father who is the gardener. We're the branches. We're producing fruit. If you don't mind, fearsome, a little frightening. The second verse says this, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and, the pru and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. Sounds a lot like all he cares about, about you, is that you do what he wants. Or he's going to cut you off. In fact, he's looking around like, right now. We just came from kind of Santa Claus season, naughty and nice. He's looking, and his deal... If you, if you go through a tough season, just, just know this. He's about to cut you off. Uh, this, along with a portion of the passage a little further on that we're not going to get a chance to deal with, which talks about how a, a, a branch that is disconnected and is dead and dying, it ends up being taken off and it goes into a fire. Combined with this, has been used as a, a passage to say, look, here, what this is all about is making sure you understand you better start producing some fruit or else. You, bet, you probably should go witnessing. You, you need probably to be ready to give a Bible study or else Jesus, there the vine, you, the Father is about to cut you off and throw you into burning, I mean, this, you see where this is headed. The interesting thing is, 
Now, while this is an appropriate translation of the original Greek, it isn't the most obvious translation, and this is in the midst of a metaphor that maybe, maybe there's a way of understanding and reading this, careful to the original language, that says something rather amazing. The word here, cuts off, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. That word is arrow. That's how you pronounce that Greek word, arrow. Arrow, okay, so arrow to cut off. Another more common way, and I'm, this is in, in ascending likelihood. In other words, the least common translation of this Greek word would be to cut off. You find it all through the New Testament, and it's rarely to never used as cut off. Here is about it. You can find places where it is to bear away upon oneself, to pick up and take away. The most common, though, is to lift up, to raise up from the ground. You might remember in John chapter 5, Jesus says to a paralyzed man, pick up your mat. Not cut off your mat. Pick up your mat. You might recall that Jesus in John 11, as he comes near the tomb of Lazarus, it says, and you, this is not one we focus on a lot, but Jesus lifted his eyes. Arrow. He raised his eyes. Other places, they lift, angels, they lift their voice. Or how about this one in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the deceiver, the one who comes from the dust of the ground, figuratively speaking. And he says to Jesus, you should throw yourself down to that very same dust because the angels will cut you off. No, 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 no. Because the angels will lift you up, arrow, so that your foot isn't even dashed. Huh. Is it possible? It's interesting because this lands in the midst of this vineyard metaphor. And I don't know if you have been, you know, we were driving, I told you about this in uh, right around Thanksgiving time, we were driving north from Los Angeles up to Eureka, California, and we, that took us right straight through all the vineyards in California. And, you know, dormant, because it wasn't the season, right? But you can see it. Down low to the ground, there's not much of anything. There are the, there are the vines that go up, and then the trellises, some of which are shaped just like this. Often, cables running between them. Because vines that lie on the ground will not produce fruit. In fact, the keeper of the vineyard has to make sure, sometimes they'll do it more naturally than others, that there is a trellis, there is something that they can crawl up upon. And he lifts it on, and it will wind itself around, and here's a great metaphor, often these vines will wind themselves around the vines from other and there's a connectivity to the grapevines that can be what's seen as a tangled mass or a 
system of support. But don't miss what Jesus may well be saying. The gardener that so often gets tagged with the reputation of wandering around looking for who he can cut off is the one who wanders these halls, this space, your home, and reaching down into the dirt to lift you up. And we know it. When we're broken, when we're sorrow-stricken, when we're in the midst of failure, it is not a time that's easy for us to bear fruit. And Jesus knows you need a gardener who would lift you up. It is the first act of God to lift you up and place you upon a trellis that's in the shape of a cross. So we could just as easily read this passage this way, and it would be the most common yielding of this Greek word, arrow. He raises up from the ground every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He lifts it up and gives it a chance. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. He prunes that which is dead, that which is dying, that which is a distraction, that which is a barrier, Every once in a while we talk about this a little bit like, you know what, I, you know, <clears throat> how many of you, I had, I had a young man come to me at the end of service last week and just say, man, I just, I struggle, I just struggle. And I just don't, I feel like I'm not doing what I just, I don't know about this relationship with Jesus because what I'm, what's happening, I, I'm just not, I don't feel like I'm making progress. And this passage suggests it is not the job of the follower of Christ to make progress. It is the job of the gardener to make progress. There's something going on in your life, surely, that's in the way of what Jesus means for you. And maybe it's a habit that you get these moments of victory and then back in and victory and back in and it's just, it's, oh. And what this passage is saying is that you're, you, by the way, did you remember it? You, you can do nothing. You're toast. Except that the gardener comes along. And in his time, and by the way, you plant grapevines and you're not going to get much happening at all for at least three years. Three years in, you might start to produce a little bit of grapes. But if you're going to actually end up with wine, the grapes, it's in probably about five years, those grapes are going to be worthless. Trying, but worthless. And the gardener comes along and says, look, it's my job to prune. What your job is, is to stay attached to me. We're going to talk about what that means. But you latch on. Hold on, maintain connection with me and let me do the work. Let me lift you up. When you're in pain, remain. Hang on, let me lift you up. When you fail and fall, remain and let me lift you up. And don't keep score on yourself outside of the question, am I holding on? 
And don't retrofit that. You know how I'll know if I'm holding on? It's when I overcome this habit. And that's not how, how you know whether you're holding on. You hold on by the power of your free choice. To say, I'm holding on. It's weird and I'm, and I'm bad at it. But I'm holding on. I realize that I am the little boy who doesn't have the strength to hang on to my dad, but I have my fingers clasped around the hand that is holding on tightly to me. Hold on. I'll talk a little bit more about what it means to remain. But he is the one who prunes. Our job is to remain. My wife loves ginkgo trees. Ginkgo trees, especially when it gets cold in a snap, like in the north, a frost in the fall, a good hard frost, ginkgo tree leaves, a big, we, our neighbors have this big ginkgo tree, and it just doesn't quite do what it does up in Michigan, right? And what will happen is it will turn, like overnight, it will turn gold, bam. Oh, my goodness, brilliant, beautiful, golden yellow leaves. It is fascinating because it doesn't usually do the little leaf fall, leaf fall, leaf fall, leaf fall. It's also kind of like a day you come out and <laughs> So for a Mother's Day a while back, I bought two ginkgo trees. My wife and I planted these two ginkgo trees in our yard, kind of put them in kind of a line. So by the time they're fully adult, should that other ginkgo tree still be alive, they, they will actually look like friends. So we, we plant these ginkgo trees, and they don't, they're not going to grow for a while. They will grow a lot after a while, but it takes a while. And what, you know, the, the one little bit of growth that we saw were these little, like, ginkgo burr, 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 out, of the, out of the root ball. Burr, burr, burr. Now, I am not a major green thumb. I, I need, like, Google and... YouTube and all sorts of stuff to figure out what's going on. So we were talking about this, and so we, we did a little bit of research, and here's, so, so here, here's an interesting part of this metaphor. That little sprig that's sprouting up, absolutely ginkgo. It's not something else. Sometimes what we think about as Jesus needing to prune from our lives is he needs to prune everything bad. He might need to prune something that's not really good or bad, or maybe it's even got the DNA of good, but it's in the way, and it's sapping energy. It's robbing resources that should go to the growth of the tree. And once in a while, I'll have somebody ask me, Hey, at Crosswalk, do you guys talk about this? Do you talk about that? Because it feels a lot like you just talk about Jesus and love. Which, side note, I would contend, if it's worth talking about, it starts with Jesus. If you can't talk about it while talking centrally about Jesus, there's a problem. Everything, that, everything can be talked about through the lens of Jesus. And if you're talking about it without the lens of Jesus, I think you're talking about nothing. You want to talk about revelation? Well, how about we talk about it the way Jesus did, who said, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't have a 28-point sermon today. 
So if you came looking for one of those 28, I got one for you. And it could even be true and real and kind of meaningful and still needs to be cut off if it's in the way. Be thoughtful about making a minor point your major God when Jesus claims, it's me. And the gardener will help you grow from me. Yeah, barriers, distractions, failures, Jesus will say it simply, remain in me and I will remain in you. It's the invitation to us to be a disciple. You didn't just become a follower of a rabbi because you thought, well, that person seems cool. I saw them on YouTube. I'm going to just start stalking them. You needed to be invited by a rabbi. And throughout the Gospels and in this parable itself, Jesus lays out the invitation Come on, remain, be, follow. So our task, our task is to remain. By the way, we're talking primarily in this metaphor about our personal journey with Jesus, but there often are these little bump out moments of thinking about the community of Christ. And I will say this, if being a part of a specific community of Christ does not help you remain connected to Jesus in the powerful ways he's going to talk about in a moment, then I, I get it that you might need not to be there. But I would also say to you, there's a power in being a part of the vineyard and not just a lone branch. And I would encourage you to consider remaining. Now, see, remaining, remain. The word remain, abide, is another way it's translated. That sounds very, very biblical. Abide does. Remain sounds a little bit more kind of rough and tumble. But either way, they are patient words in a very not patient culture. I'm thinking of you, very specific. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm thinking of me. So we had a, a specific donation that is allowing us to uh, purchase. We're getting a little start on it. People regularly are coming to me saying, you know, hey, could we have, could we have camera work that would sh you could actually see a little bit more clearly up on the side screens? What if we didn't just have a podcast, but we had a video archive that we could watch? We could see Jack get baptized. This would be, well, we don't have any equipment. Ah, somebody said, well, how about this? How about I make a special donation, and then maybe you... So we're kind of starting that. And I'm regularly involved in uh, podcasts and, and uh, some visual stuff with Crosswalk Global. And so one of the first moves is to set up the situation for podcasting in my home office, right? It's a camera that will be able to be useful here or there or wherever, but I also, so I've, I've got this whole plan figured out how it's going to work in this close quarter situation. And so B&H Photo, you know, Wednesday, I placed an order, and would you know, it got here yesterday. Well, before you get too excited, because I can feel it in the room. I 
I ordered it on Amazon, not B&H Photo, I ordered on Amazon the kind of the stock that everything attaches to, so the, the light and the microphone and the camera and the monitor, you can all, and that's not coming till Wednesday. <sighs> Based on your reaction, I don't think you heard me. <laughs> that will not be here till this coming Wednesday, a full seven days. In a two-day world, seven days. <laughs> I love the title to a book. Just the title alone is worth sitting with. Many of you know Eugene Peterson, who put together the Message Bible and has written a number of just fantastic books. He wrote a book borrowing from a quote from Friedrich Nietzsche. The title is, a long obedience in the same direction. I don't know about you, but I find that qualifier in the same direction weirdly comforting when put next to the word obedience. That our relationship with Jesus is one that is patient and it can take time. And that it is about the direction I am facing even when I slide backwards. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Jesus, in this passage, doesn't seem to be complaining about your behavior. But hopeful and calling us to connection. If you do decide you want to check out this book at all, I, here's one way you can do it. Just go to Goodreads or whatever and just read the introduction. The introduction alone is worth it. He uses a couple, Eugene Peterson, uses a couple of powerful metaphors. One of them is the question, are you a tourist or are you a pilgrim? A tourist has respect for and interest in important places. They go and snap photos. They want to come and see. It's one of the things I say to our college students all the time. Don't be a tourist. A continual visitor to spiritual things. And we kind of can stamp our passport and show it off and we feel good and we say things like, I love your church. What about yours? You're called to have a place. Oh, I loved the message what about your own conversation with Jesus? These are not things that are worthless, but they are things that can become tourist attractions rather than a pilgrimage. You see, a tourist attraction is something you'd go to on a vacation. A pilgrimage is how you spend your life. And Eugene Peterson says it's a long, patient journey that can withstand trips and falls and seasons of darkness even, questions and difficulties. Colossians says it this way, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus, Jack, continue, continue, continue to follow him. Some versions say continue to walk with him. You're on a walk 
You're on a journey, you're on a pilgrimage, you're not visiting a tourist attraction where the baptism waters, that's it, that's the monument. In fact, if we're not careful and we treat it as a tourist attraction kind of faith, the next thing you know, the tourist attraction kind of faith also lines up well with the metaphor of test day. You've been going through a semester, everything's going great, but you know test day is coming? And you just, I mean, this is not a subject that you grasp terribly well, and you're just worried about what this is going to do and how this is going to go. There is a, and there's a, a vast difference between trying to pass test day versus walking through an apprenticeship. You remember the word disciple? Discipleship? as mentioned in John chapter 15, that's apprenticeship language. You are invited to be a disciple. You say yes or no, but you're invited into an apprenticeship, and then you journey side by side. Another way Eugene Peterson describes it, he says, look, our Christian journey is not a monument. These are footsteps that make footprints. Over time, and let's be honest, Somebody else is just trying to track what happened, looking at four footprints in the sand every once in a while. One of those footprints leads to a face plant. And then more footprints. Oh, imagine you lived in a relationship with Jesus where he is ultimately completely patient with you. That the gardener is the one lifting you up, not cutting you off when you face plant in the dirt and in the dust. And the gardener is the one that says, you know what, in my time, I'll keep working, I'll keep working, I'll keep training the vine, I'll keep working our way forward. It would be great if you were in a whole big vineyard, by the way, but I'll keep training the vine. Because it's a long, this is good news. Sometimes long sounds bad news. This is incredible news that it is a long obedience. In the same direction. What direction? Tied in, clasped on, grabbing hold of Jesus. Now, as this passage continues, we hit some troubling language. In fact, <clears throat> by about the 12th verse, 10th verse, when you... When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. Okay, so now we start using the word commands. In fact, in the next seven verses, the word command or commandments are going to come up five times. I don't know how many of you are saying, hey, you know what I really can't wait for? To get home and get some commands. <laughs> I'd like, um, I hope my wife is rested up because I could sure use a few commandments. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for... Who can't wait for that? And you know there is a bulk of the world in which we live that believes that's what Christianity is, is this hand hovering over your life that is controlling and commanding. And by the way, it's the same hand that cuts off. But if we delve in and we think about it in the process of this metaphor. Now, and by the way, look, I, I'm, I'm realizing I'm saying by the way a little bit. Inside joke, you have to be here to know it. Anyway, 
this whole idea, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, you also, you also end up bearing fruit. Part of the command then, I suppose, is bear fruit, get at it, get going. In this metaphor, it's easy to make the mistake of thinking what's being described here is what you're called upon to do is go evangelizing. That's the end thing. That, so Jesus is here, you're connected to Jesus, and if you're connected to Jesus, you will evangelize. That's not actually the metaphor. The metaphor is you will bear fruit and the gardener gets to decide what he's going to do with that fruit. And he might make wine out of it that he uses at a party. Your job is not to literature bomb urinals and gas station pumps. Sorry if that's harsh for anybody here who now has to consider a change to their second half of the day. But... Look, it's not about me being judgmental of that. Let's talk about ourselves. Sometimes we can think about what this fruit ought to be. The fruit ought to be evangelism. Ah, I want to suggest to you that there's a different way to consider the fruit of John chapter 15. He's going to say it straight out, but others are going to also expose it like John. Do you remember Galatians chapter 5, 22? If the Spirit is in you, Spirit, how's the spirit get in you? You're connected, and the thing that's in the vine flows through you. Then you will have fruit. What are the fruit? Well, baptisms. No. Conversions. No. More people coming to church. No, that's not the description. The description is what's going to happen in you is love will become more apparent. Joy will be easier to feel. Peace is coursing through your veins. Gentleness, faithfulness, long-suffering, these kinds of words. And you can read that list and go, oh boy, I'm not doing great with the patience part. I'm, I'm, I'm not measuring up. And turn it back in to test day. No, this is an apprenticeship. This is, this is Jesus making a promise to us. If you are connected to me, I will course through you. And when I do, I promise you, it's easier to love the unlovely. When you have my love, when you've experienced my patience, it becomes easier to be patient with the frustrating. It becomes easier to be gentle when it's not actually a part of your personality match. <laughs> that in fact, this whole idea of command is actually God making a promise about something. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I am urging you. Be connected to me and it'll change everything. Stay connected to me. It'll change everything. Hold on. This isn't a list of requirements that I really want to lay out there for you. It is the natural change that happens over time when the gardener is tending who you are. Because you've hung on. You've stayed tight. So the 12th verse, this is my commandment. Okay, commandments. Here we go. I know, I know, there are some people in some places who are going to be deeply disappointed with this commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. You see, that's the way it works. I am love. The Father is love. He loves perfectly. He is 
Tending this garden is what this is all, the trellises are all about, is having you experience love. You may walk into this room right now having not experienced love much lately, and this gardener comes over and into the dirt and lifts you up and says, I want love to course through your life. And if love courses through your life, it just courses through, I mean, duh. comes from the source and it floats through our lives and so Jesus because he knows we're thick-headed he, he says it a couple different ways a couple different times and then he says okay 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 what's this all about okay time out the, okay my command Jesus 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 his command is that you would love one another the fruit the grapes are love here's the crazy truth Love is far more compelling than a doctrinal belief. We can talk about all that stuff because I think, frankly, it often can fit into love. But you know what the point is. It's like not realizing how to diagram a sentence and what is the subject of the sentence. And it is Jesus. And the primary adjective is loving it's what courses through who he is. I, pardon me, I'm going to switch metaphors as we close. To electricity. So, <clears throat> Jack kind of wanted the water to be cold. <laughs> Richie, on the other hand. <laughs> so we've got a heater system, and I got it in there, and, and frankly, last week... The water temperature rose for the baptism we had last week up to 88 degrees. That is delightful. <laughs> I'm not arguing against 92, but 88 is delightful. So I had that heater in here Thursday midday. I came in Friday morning, and I don't know. I don't know how to describe this. Whether the right way to say it is someone... <laughs> ...flipped... Flip the power strip off. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I don't know if it is that, in fact, somebody was doing, because I know somebody was doing some electrical work back here, and that caused it to flip off. Or if it is that it actually kind of had a, a, a moment where there was too much pull because of other things that were happening, and it just popped the little breaker in the power strip. But bottom line is, we lost about 18 hours of warming <laughs> because of disconnection. See, think about it. Jesus says, I am the electrical plant. I'm the, I'm the generator. I've got it all coming. You, you're not, you don't need to generate it. And by the way, you don't need to figure out how it's going to get used. Know what you are? You are the wire in between. I know, kind of makes you feel a little dumb. Because we're not doing much except staying connected. Yeah. We're not doing much but everything of staying connected. And you know, you know what it feels like to need love, to long for love. And to have been broken 
and cut off and ashamed and hopeless. Even if it is in just some small, small way, you know the feeling of electricity. To walk into a place where so clearly love is flowing. And that's our call. I know. Sometimes the profound is, sounds relatively simple. You want to know what Jesus asks of you? Come sit with me in my love. You want the electricity, you want the fruit, you want the, don't concentrate on those things. You may indeed want healing that leads to overcoming. Let that be the gardener's work. He has that plan for you. But if you're a little unclear about how to move forward at all with Jesus, it starts with the simple request to an invitation. Yes. And then it is the attitude of lingering, lingering, lingering in the kind of acceptance. Look, we can spend all kinds of time trying to figure out, well, what, how should I, what should I do? How should I behave? How should I respond to this situation? Let's break it all back down to what Jesus would say. Remain in me. How about this? How about you spend time today just quiet somewhere and consider that the God of all things gave it up for you. That he loves you so deeply he wants to go nowhere without you. That he is saying in this moment right now, my death my resurrection, visit it here with me and feel what I've done and why I did it for you. Experience my love. And don't rush away to see some other spiritual monument or even to a great spiritual act it is thought that Francis of Assisi is the one who first said, yeah, spread the gospel always. If you have to use words. Live in the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for this teaching consider hitting the subscribe button to stay tuned for next week. If you'd like to support Crosswalk Chattanooga, go to crosswalkvillage.com Chattanooga and click the give button at the far right of the ribbon at the top. Notice the campus drop-down menu and select Chattanooga. And if you'd like to come and worship with us on a Saturday morning, we would love that. When you do, please say hi to me. I'd love to learn your name. <laughs>